Today tastes like heading out the door and driving into town. It tastes like grabbing snacks and a Coke and singing as loud as you can. Today tastes like anything could happen. And it never tasted this good. Summer tastes better with Coca-Cola. Wherever you're going this week, don't forget to grab an ice-cold, refreshing Coca-Cola from 7-Eleven. The been thinking about McDonald's all day can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. What is going on, DGen Nation? Kenny Kim here, bringing you another Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast this week for the for the American Express. As usual, I am here with my favorite Canadian, Tyler Tambolini. Tyler, how are you doing this week? Yes, I'm not everybody's favorite anymore, Kenny. I'm just yours. Just mine. <laughs> I'm doing- That's good enough. That's all we need right there. That's all we need. I'm good, man. I'm doing well. Had a pretty good week. We'll get into all that. Before we get into everything, guys, just want to remind you guys quickly, this podcast is presented to you and sponsored by rotogrinders.com. Head on over to rotogrinders.com slash DGen. Get yourself 10 bucks off your first month. But yeah, man, we got Kevin na, 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 back again. This guy does it. I thought that was amazing. You know, I were talking just a little bit before we hopped on the show. We'll get into it here, but uh, pretty good event, man. You know, everyone t- takes the Hawaiian swing as sort of like an exhibition or a warm up or whatever you want to call it. And I don't know, maybe the week before was whatever with the playoff and all that. But this week was definitely a little bit more exciting for me. I, I had a great time, enjoyed it, and seeing Kevin not close out another one. Man, the company, the names that he's in for these wins over the last few years. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it was he's become sort of a closer. I mean, if you look at it, I think he's like sixth in most wins in the last four years, man. DJ Bryson, Rory. JT and Rom. That's not bad company to be in right there. You know, four wins in the last four years, uh, a win in each of the four last seasons. That's not an easy thing to do. Not many people have done that. Um, uh, Every time he gets near that lead, 
you know, he just seems to be super confident now. Like, you know, all these wins sort of add up and he really, he knows that he can do it. Uh, you know, in his interview, I thought that was interesting. What he said is, you know, he has to play courses where he has a chance. And I think that makes sense. You know, a lot of times when you, when he plays courses where it's not really his sort of thing, where it's sort of longer, um, you know, and it's more about the, the, the driving of the golf ball and distance is more important. Um, you could see him flame out, but that makes sense just because of how his game is. Um, when you see him on short courses like this, I mean, it just makes a lot of sense. Uh, of course, my ass, I had to decide between him and Munoz for my final cash spot, and I picked Munoz. And then, of course, like up top, I, it was between Answer and Cam Smith. Like I said last week, I picked Answer. So, yeah, it didn't go very well for me last week uh, in cash. Uh, GVPs that did okay, you know, uh, it wasn't the worst week ever. Uh, a couple of other stories, uh, you know, the uh, the Chris Kirk story, you know, his battle with alcoholism. This was his last event on his uh, special medical exemption. Had to finish uh, a two-way tied for third to keep his card for the rest of the season. He went ahead and finished tied for second. Uh, that was really big for him with that birdie on 18. Uh, that was huge. Good story. It makes you feel good. Uh, that was really nice for him. You saw Brandon Steele come back again, 54 leader, but back to back years, uh, couldn't pull it off. It looked like he was again, playing not to lose instead of playing the win. Um, other frustrating things. I had Neiman outright once again, same the week before at the tournament champions, he finished second, had him again this past week, finished second, uh, a little bit annoying, but minus 45 in his eight rounds in Hawaii. Uh, that's pretty good. Uh, he, I think a win is on the horizon once again for Joaquin, the dream name. And I think other things you want to talk about, about this past week. No, I, with the another thing for me, just go back to it real quick. I think it's just relatable. You know, I, I loved a couple of things he said in the interview and just try and bring it back to DFS. Obviously we do a podcast here and that's what it's kind of related to. And, you know, it just makes me think about some of my own play and what you guys are doing out there when you're playing is, you know, if you're playing all these high stakes stuff and you're not winning or, or something above water, and obviously you want to hit that big win. Sometimes it's nice just to go back down and get to, the, like he said, the courses that he can win at and stop playing everything else. And he's learned that over time. And I think you can relate that back to DFS, play the tournaments that you've had success in, play the tournaments that you feel comfortable in, where your bankroll is comfortable in and, and roll it out that way. Because he said it best, Kenny, he said, you know, it took so long to get to that first big win. Then that was like, okay, I know I can win out here. Then it took him long, a long time to get back to, okay, can he validate that and say it wasn't just a fluke? And, and that's the same feeling for Daily Fantasy. And then after that, you start to get a little bit more confidence and you'll see them start hitting and you'll start catching on to little things. So just thought I'd relate that back. I thought that was kind of cool. You know, it was exciting to see him. I know we're going to talk a little bit of Tiger Doc today. You came around a little bit on it, but just reminded me a little bit of that. Like everyone wants, you know, Kevin Na, you've mentioned in the past as a guy that Nobody liked, right? The slow play, you know, they love to see him push that 16 out there that time and just all of these factors. And, and it's almost like in the Tiger Doc where they talk about, they want to see you be the best. And then when you get to the top, they just want to rip you back down. And that's kind of what it's been like. And now Kevin Na's back at the top and the man's got a, a logo on his shirt of him walking in his own putts, Kenny. So, you know, he's feeling pretty confident going into these tournaments. And like you said, a closer, he is. So very, very cool to see, man, overall. The, the Chris Kirk stuff, all that was great, but that just stood out to me and, and good for Kevin Na. Yeah, it took like almost 400 events for him to get his first win. And then he's had four in his last 55. Uh, so, yeah, that's that, that's pretty good right there. Right, Kevin? Uh, that's not bad. So let's talk about this uh, Tiger Doc. I actually ended up going around and watching it. Um, 
it wasn't as bad as people said it was. I, I understood why they went, you know, it was, it wasn't about his golf game. It was about him, the person. Um, and, and, you know, to, to make a documentary about that, you sort of have to add the bad things that happened. And there are plenty of bad things that happened to Tiger. I mean, that, oh my God, that video of him um, when he got the DUI was just insane. You know, he had no idea where he was. He couldn't tie his shoe uh, it was just bad. I and, mean, you know, that's a part of his life. But I mean, it also made that Masters victory and the Tour Champions victory that much sweeter. Just a couple of things um, that I thought were interesting about the doc. I didn't realize his mom was so strict. Um, I, his mom actually cracked me up because I guess she's the one that hated Phil the most. You know, Phil and Tiger always had that rivalry. <laughs> and, and, you know, her nickname for Phil was Hefty. Instead of lefty, I am calling Phil Mickelson hefty from now on. I don't care if he's big. He's like Oprah. You never know when you see him, if he's going to be big, skinny, large, whatever. I mean, he's like Oprah. You, you, you never know. I mean, it's been months since we've seen him. He could be skinny. He could be fat. He could be whatever. But I'm going to call him hefty Mickelson from now on because I thought that shit was fucking hilarious. Another thing I thought was great was the mind games that Tiger played uh, against Phil, the 2001 Masters. You know, Phil punishes that drive. Uh, I think it was on 11 or 10. You know, and it, it was just between Phil and Tiger that week uh, on that final round. And then, you know, Tiger goes and, you know, he, Phil hits that drive, monster drive. Tiger hits, goes and does this on purpose, gets a three wood and just pummels it by Phil. And then as they're walking down the fairway, Phil asks Tiger, do you always hit that three wood that long? He's like, no, usually farther. <laughs> I was like, God. and then Phil just fell apart after that. I mean, those mind games. Kevin Na does that a little bit too. I think the walking in of the putts that Kevin Na does is sort of a mind game. And you can see, you heard him yesterday, like on certain parts of the course. Bones was talking about it, where he's like, after he makes a bogey, he makes that birdie, gets hyped, and he bounce back, bounce back. He says that loud enough for his playing partners to hear that those type of that types of gamemanship I sort of like uh, and we saw it a bit with Kevin Na this past week um, a couple of other things about the doc that Billy Payne comment um, when he came back from uh, you know the uh, the the whole affair you know all the, the sexual addiction stuff like that uh, the first master's back and Billy Payne scolding him for that shit that shit was just disgusting uh, how a community like the Masters, which is just as you know, it's not even thinly veiled racism underneath its whole outlook, goes about and does that to a black golfer. Uh, that shit was horrible. It bothered the fuck out of me. Uh, I was shocked the Tiger would even go ahead and play that event afterwards because that was just sick. Um, and then you know, Tiger shutting off family and friends uh, after all the stuff that happened to him, you know, it, it looks bad on the outside, but maybe that's something that he needed to do to, to get his mind right. I know people were butthurt about it, like his friends in the interview, but I mean, like, you know, it, it could be something that he needed to do to get everything correct. I, I don't know. It's, it's one part of the documentary where it didn't really go into too much detail. It just told you about what happened and people felt that they were left out. Um, and honestly, I think, you know, when it comes down to it, the worst thing that we did, the sexual stuff, I mean, that's not really none of our business, you know. 
Um, but it, because of the tabloids, because of the way um, we sensationalize that type of news, I guess, AKA, I'm, I'm using air quotes here, news. Um, you know, that was the thing everyone remembers. That DUI was probably worse. If you saw the video, I mean, that was pretty bad. I mean, I can't really talk because, you know, back in the day, you know, I used to drive inebriated on occasion, you know, when I was younger, but it's something I definitely have eliminated from my life as I've gotten older. Uh, but that, you know, that was probably the worst thing that he had done just because, you know, he could have killed somebody on the road and stuff like that. And again, I'm throwing, I'm throwing stones and a glass house, but, you know, in my opinion, that was worse than anything he did banging all these women. I mean, you know, that, that happens, I, you know, it, it, people have affairs, people get divorced. I mean, it's not like a new thing that should be scandalized like that, but it was. And he, honestly, that's what more people more remember uh, negatively about Tiger than that DUI. Uh, and what did you think about the doc? I loved it personally. I, I know that everyone had the tweets out there. First of all, I knew everyone that said they weren't going to watch it was going to watch. It's not like the match when people talk shit about that, like me. And then they, you know, say, forget it, maybe skip one and then come back to the next one. This is the tiger doc. Everyone's going to watch it. So I loved it. I thought it was a good piece. I think, like you said, people might have taken it the wrong way, but it certainly had to show that he was human, right? He did those things. Those were legitimate. I thought the coolest part, Kenny, to be honest, was all the the footage, the stuff that we would have never got to see that was just, you know, out there, I guess you maybe could have found it somewhere, but for them to piece it all together and to just get that three hours of footage, when you combine the two parts together to me, just, just seeing all these different things back in the day with his dad and all, all these, like you've seen some of the clips before, but nothing like this. And you know, the little insert insights, inserts that they had there of like hefty that you just joked about. I thought that, you know, things like that, that you just never would have known the mind games and stuff that the mind games actually reminded me of Brooks Kepka, and we're going to get into this week. Don't worry, guys. This is just something we had planned to talk about. But uh, and I'm not saying for Brooks Kepka this week, but it just made me think. You know, remember the clip when they asked him about the 19 majors or this, and he just says 19, and then well, what about this or this 19? That that reminds me of Kepka because all Kepka does right now is talk about the number, the number of majors. It's all he cares about. That sort of Kobe Tiger mentality of getting the trophy, getting the rings which is awesome and love to see it. But it just makes you think about that that much more when, you know, I've talked shit about Brooks plenty of times at majors in for daily fantasy, be like, oh, he's not the play this week, but you got to remember there is these uh, compartmentalizing, maybe not to tiger's level that that's in the dock where they talk about just switching your feelings on and off, but there is switches that these upper echelon top tier athletes have like a Brooks Kepka. And I think for me, the big, th- you know, the thing that stood out is one time he was interviewed and said, yeah, after I hit a ball, he's like, I give zero reaction to my playing partner. And part of his mind games is if I tell him anything about this, that, or the other, he's going to be able to adjust and get that slight advantage on me. So even if I pushed it, or even if I did this part wrong, I'm not giving them nothing because I'm going to put the club back in the bag and act like nothing happened, even if it was terrible so that they still have to work on the same playing field as I do. So that reminded me of that, you know, his caddy, Steve William, that, that to me was the craziest one. I get like his ex-girlfriends and stuff being butthurt and his old friends and things that they had one picture of him and her. Like, I'm not here to, to discuss it, but I don't know how good of friends they actually were. They showed her like two or three times and they showed the same picture every time she looked like a fan on the golf course. Maybe I'm you know overstepping my boundaries here. I, I'm sure she's a real friend. I'm just saying, that's not the same to me as the guy that was side by side with him, cleaning his clubs, doing his work, doing everything for him, goes and caddies for Adam Scott one weekend and tells him, yeah, actually, if you're, if you do that, you're done Monday morning, gives him the call and says, see you later. Never yeah. talks to him again. That, that, that part bothered me a little bit. That's insane. Uh, That's a that little bit too aggressive. Th- yeah. That part bothered me a little bit uh, about Tiger uh, because I mean, you know, after his dad died and he won, the, he won uh, that, that major, you know, hugging, t- hugging Stevie like he was his father. 
uh, you know, crying on his shoulder. I mean, you could tell that there was a relationship there that was more than caddy yeah. player. And, Best and man at di- his wedding too. Yeah, yeah, and and to to, dis- to dismiss him uh, like that, that that bothered me probably more than the sex addict stuff. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Well, like, just for, for, for the part yeah. that you said of like shutting people off. I mean, I yeah. get that. Yes, something I, I guess you have to do that. Him. Yeah, but I mean, but like, I don't think I don't think Stevie was the problem. You know no. what I'm saying? Like. Yeah, that that bothered me, and I can understand the bitterness that Stevie holds, uh, which is weird that, too. Because also the the end, you know, and we're not trying to spoiler alert the thing. It's just a documentary. Go watch it if you haven't. You're crazy. But my thing is, like at the end, they show like a little bit of how not at the very end, but it's not like a, an ending, but how it sort of he bounced back and how Tigers sort of opened up, became better with the fans, yeah. laughing and joking. It was funny, actually. Watching more it. human. More yeah, human. I, I not, watched not it a last robot. night. Not a yeah, robot, yeah. It, it came out last night, and they had the clip, funny enough, of you know him and Kevin Na, where he walked it in, and then Tiger walked it in as the joke, and they were laughing. He was, like I said, more human, a guy that would never even smile or look at his opponents, and, and now was doing this in, the, in this time, and of course then goes on to win the Tour Championship and win the Masters and make the ultimate comeback. But I think, you know, that was you know funny because Kevin Nod just won earlier in the day. But I just think, yeah, they showed that. And if he could come back from all that, why couldn't he at least come back around with Stevie? That that was the yeah, only thing yeah. that, like I say, bothered and, me a little and, bit. And, but and the thing about his DUI also, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to say it was a good thing. But I mean, like, you know, having what, three or four back surgeries and stuff like that, it's very easy to be addicted to opioids. I mean, it is a problem in the United States. I mean. You know, and, 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 you know, that's, it was an addiction again, once again, is what, what happened, I think, because he's been in so much pain for so often. He was talking about like, where he couldn't move, he couldn't even get up. I mean, one time his back gave out so bad, they had to get his daughter to go get help for him to get up and actually move. I mean, to have that type of pain. Um, you know, the only way really some people think that they can fix that is through pills, through opioids and having that type of addiction. Uh, that's a real thing. Um, so, I mean, even though I was bad, I'm not saying it's understandable, but I mean, you could see how it happened. Um, yeah. And then he got clean. And I think that, I mean, we don't know for a fact, we don't know Tiger very well, but that that's what the documentary said. He went and got clean and um, you know, it seems like he's a better person now, and now he's on the upswing again. I mean, at, at least as a person, uh, maybe not as a golfer, but as a person, and that's probably more important than anything else. Um, I thought it was great. Though. I thought it was good. I thought it was good. Uh, I, 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 all the people talking negative about it. I just thought it was a hit piece, but it really wasn't. I mean, the first, the first, uh, the first episode wasn't. It was just about his dad and how his dad influenced his life so much. And the second part brought in the negative stuff, and you know. Um, but if you didn't have that part, it wouldn't be a real documentary. Uh, I thought the whole thing was going to be like that. And, and it wasn't, it was about 30, 45 minutes where it talked about that part of his life. And that part of his life was pretty important. So uh, I go out and see it, go watch it. I think it's worth it. It was a good watch. All right. So let's go ahead to our listener league winner this past week, uh, fire medic, 1987 at samurai apocalypse on Twitter, a friend of the pod with that beautiful, uh, Gup's corner logo on his uh, Gup's corner avatar on it. Gotta love to see it. Uh, he won with 628 points. Uh, he started off with Webb Simpson who finished fourth, uh, with 117.5 points. He was 21% owned. Brendan Todd, who I liked, who just couldn't do anything on Sunday, which made me angry because I was right on the bubble of cash. But a couple more birdies by Brendan Todd, and I would have made it, so that was a little bit irritating. Uh, 20% owned, 76 points. Uh, Chucky Three Sticks, who had a good week, uh, about 14% owned, 94 points, uh, uh, finished in 19th. 
Uh, Pat Kazire, one of my favorites last week, he actually did pretty well. Uh, he was 12% owned, 111.5 points, finished in seventh. He had the winner, Kevin Na, 148.5 points, a uh, 4.65% owned, and old man Jim Furyk who made the cut uh, on a 2% owned, tied for 47th, 80.5 points. What do you think? Yeah, the old men came through last week, man. Jerry Kelly was sort of the joke last week at 6,200. He came through and made the cut. And then uh, Furyk is another one there. So uh, obviously having not at 4.7% is extremely helpful. Shout out Fire Medic. It's a good dude. So uh, I like the lineup. The, th- the thing I was just going to say, Kenny, that made me almost laugh out loud here was uh, Kisner last week, the comment. I know he's not in this lineup, but I'm going to tie it in a sec. Kisner talking about the money. Well, why do you play? Well, because they give it a pretty big paycheck for 20th place. <laughs> exactly. And you and I have talked about that plenty in the past. And Joel Damon got into it on Twitter uh, saying he agrees because we've heard him talk about that in the past. These guys have already brought this up before. It wasn't the first time for these quotes, but I thought it was interesting. And funny thing is Charles Howell in this lineup, that it made me laugh because we, we talked to him all last week, 19 for 19 made cuts. He still can't win here at the damn thing, but I guess in 19th, they give out a pretty good check and he keeps coming back because it's basically free money. Every year he shows up, that's now 20 for 20 made cuts. Another top 20. We had 13 last, you know, coming into the week. Now he's got 14 of those 20 are top 20. So good for Charles Hal. He did his thing, but look at the score, 67, 68, 66, 64, you know, got better on on the weekend and just pushes himself up to the top every time. So uh, pretty cool, man, to see. And yeah, overall good lineup. We've got the listener league back. Uh, my connection is back. We had to get to our, our boy, Pat Mayo. Shout out to him. Thank you for last week getting us this set up. Because we got it out so late, you guys got to enjoy, I believe, 250 people or so worth of, it. Was, I think there was a lot of overlay last week. I can't remember how many people got into it out of the 750. But Yeah, we didn't uh, release it until like Wednesday morning almost. Yeah, this week, yeah. Uh, because today is MLK Day, they've got it set up so that it's going to come out tomorrow. So it'll be out. I'll tweet it out. The The main account will tweet it. We'll retweet it out. And we'll get you guys into it. We'll see if we can fill it up this week. But all things, uh, all systems go moving forward, and we will get Fire Medic into the three-man for this week. All right, so let's get to this week. The PGA Tour heads to California for the Amex Tournament from La Quinta. Uh, this event used to be played on three courses with a 54-hole cut, but that has changed this year due to the fact there's not going to be a pro-am, pro-am which is great. Uh, this changes a few things. Uh, first of all, La Quinta Country Club is now dropped from the rotation. Uh, golfers rotate between the stadium course and the Jack Nicholas Tournament course. Uh, La Quinta Country Club has been the easiest course to score on since the three-course rotation uh, with these three courses started in 2016. Uh, Now, since it's been dropped and the golfers are playing the tougher stadium course three times, the winning score should be a bit less than the 26 under par we've seen the last couple of years. Another important difference is the lack of a program. Uh, with that absence, you don't really have to think about golfers who hate slow play like uh, Kevin Kisner or Dustin Johnson when making your lineup decisions. Um, no six and a half hour rounds this year. Um, also, with the lack of a pro-am, the tour can make pin positions a bit more difficult throughout the week. Previously, there would only be easy pin locations the first three rounds. So the amateurs wouldn't take seven hours to finish their rounds. Um, so, you know, so. All of this, in fact, if you take into effect that the you know the scoring average at the stadium course last season was seventy point three four, I think we'll see a winning score in the high teens under par, maybe reach uh, twenty under par. Uh, the stadium course at PGA West was the tenth easiest course on tour in two thousand sixteen and the twentieth easiest course in two thousand seventeen, and it's been fluctuating in between that area the last couple of years. Um, the par 72 P die course will be around 7,200 yards with four par threes, four par fives, and 10 par fours. The par fives are much longer and more difficult than the other, than the other course. Uh, the par fives here are notoriously difficult to reach in two. 
Uh, the fairways are average in size and gets narrow near the landing areas. The rough is light. The golfers will have to deal with bunkers and a lot of waters in play on wayward drives. If golfers miss wildly off the tee and are able to avoid the water and bunkers, they'll have to deal with dormant grass, which will be similar to the rough, but will be less lush, lush and a bit more patchy. Uh, the greens are small with trouble all over the place. Uh, there are island greens, 200-yard carries over water on par threes, and enormously deep bunkers. Uh, the greenside bunker on 16 is over 20 feet deep. Uh, if you remember a few years ago, Hefty Mickelson on Sunday hit into the bunker on 16 and couldn't get his first attempt over the lip, costing him a chance at catching the leaders. The last three holes in this course are tough. Uh, bunkers on 16 and Island Green on 17 is actually called Alcatraz and a tough par four with water on 18. Uh, golfers need to hit their spots and be as accurate as possible on their approach shots to succeed at this course. Uh, the Jack Nicholas Tournament course at PGA West is a 7,200-yard par 72 course with four par threes and four par fives and 10 par fours. All the par fives will be reachable by most golfers. Uh, the course has hosted PGA Tour qualifying tournaments, and a 59 is shot here has been shot here in tournament play in the past. Uh, this course is not very difficult, as it was second easiest on tour four years ago and was the 11th easiest three years ago, and it's been always in between uh, about – in that range to about the 15th easiest for the last couple of years. Um, the fairway, the fairways will be average to large in width and with many bunkers and water and play off the tee on many holes. I don't think the rough will be too thick because of the fact that it's, a, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to skip that part. That was from last year. Um, I don't think the rough is going to be thick, but we'll have to see. Uh, the rough has been very light in these events with a pro-am. It's possible that for both of these courses, they could up the rough a little bit because there's no amateurs playing, but that's something that we're going to have to see uh, as the week progresses. Uh, the greens will be undulating, multi-tiered, and on the large side with bunkers and water surrounding most greens. Uh, like the other course, uh, the greens will be Bermuda grass with a stint meter rating of around 11. Uh, what are you looking for this week, Tambo? Uh, just mainly stick with the ball strikers, man. Like, you know, you talked about a lot of the stuff about this course. I think taking the rotation out, we're not going to see obviously as high of score or sorry, as low of scores. So there'll be some higher ones out there. Uh, so I think that matters. T to green approach, par five scoring, all the things that guys are capable of. We'll talk about it when we get into them tier by tier and player by player. I think still looking at, you know, a little bit of playing last week will help. Like you look at uh, all the years, normally it's, you guys have had decent results, but even just playing the week before, like Landry and long were the last two winners. Everyone's been talking about this and, and those guys, missed the cut the week before, but at least they played, right? Knocked off some rust, got it out of them. So I think that's helpful coming in, but then I think we've also got some more names in the field that, you know, I think could pop at any time. So we'll see where we go from there. Well, with Rom withdrawing early like that, it, it kind of changes things a little bit just because I would have thought, you know, Rom run away with this thing would have been the overwhelming favorite, not just the Vegas favorite, but I just, you know, on paper, everything, I think it just was more than likely he was going to be up there and take this thing down. So now this changes for things like lineup construction and whatnot and what you're doing uh, when you don't have to go and jam a guy like Rom in. All right, so let's get to these tiers. Let's go ahead and start in the top. We got, uh, who is it? Um, Reed all the way up to Cantley. Who you got? I like Cantley right at the top. I still think, you know, if that's something we just, you know, I just mentioned with Rom where you could have put him in. We'll get to it as we get through it. The balance builds do look a little bit better, but maybe that leaves Cantley out there some. The Cali kid himself. Uh, there's a couple Cali kids in here, a few out there, but uh, ninth here, 2019, he did play at the tournament of champions. Uh, he's done well. Uh, he won the Zozo, which is in California. We know he's from California. So I, I just think he's a play right there at the top. Like I said, I was talking about Brooks a lot earlier, but I said I'd relate it here. Not really for me this week. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm never really liking 
Brooks coming off with rust or anything like that, where I haven't, I'll always feel it out first before I risk it with a guy like Brooks, unless it's a major or something like that. And then I can, like I said, feel like he can just turn the switch on and go. And then Reed at 10 2. Uh, he's one here back in the day, played at the Tournament of Champions. We talked about him leading up to that. I don't know if people are going to be off of him, but uh, you know, if they want to be, I think that's a good place. I think you could even start some lineups with Patrick Reed. I think he's an interesting bet. I think he's a, you know, a guy you could start your lineups with and then go down and balance it from there or even put him in with another guy. So those two would be the ones that stand out just because the other two haven't really shown me anything. But Finau would be the one I would take over Brooks if I was picking one there. Yeah, I like Cantley up top, but my, my first cash game cornerstone is actually going to be Patrick Reed at 10200 I like that price for a guy of his caliber. Um, if you look in his last 100 rounds, he's first in this field, and birdies are better gains, second in draft game points. He's really good on shorter par fours. Um, I think the major, like 80% of the par fours are going to be from 350 to 400 or 400 to 450. Uh, he's excellent in both of those ranges. So I'm going to start my cash game cornerstones with Patrick Reed. Uh, the one thing I want to say, what do you think Brooks's ownership is going to be? Um, do you think it's possible we see single digit ownership? Because if it is, I might be tempted to play him. Um, I know the rust factor. I know that, but he had a couple of good finishes to end the year. He might've found something, even though he did miss the cut at Mayakoba, but that could have been just, because he didn't give a fuck about the tournament. He was out lounging with his girl and his buddies on the beach drinking tequila and shit. I don't think his mind was... Zenni offers prescription glasses starting at $6.95, as well as affordable sunglasses, blue blockers, and more. The best part? Try any frame, anywhere, with our 3D virtual try-on. Visit zenni.com today and change the way you buy glasses forever. Specifically right uh, to play that event, so I'm sort of wiping that off the board. But then, you know, Masters 5th, Houston 7th, um, do you think that his ownership can be single digits? Oh, yeah, easily. I, I think what you just said is the exact reason why. Even of like anything you would talk about with him is bad, except for the events you mentioned, which, again, one of them happened to be a major. So that's why, you know, everyone's going to look at that and just move off it. I, I, you, you can play him. It's Brooks Kepka. I just think, like you said, you, you've got information on some of these other guys now. And there's, again, too, lots of guys down below that you can use. So if he just happens to fit in and and that I can see it all have him in a few, like if I've got all my favorite value plays where I use them in that sense of the sort of the hedge lineups, but it's not someone I'm excited to be like, Oh, let me jam 20% Brooks while the field's at six or seven. I, I just think he's going to be solo on Kenny because of that. But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's 10, eight. It's a lot of money to spend on a guy. And, and I don't know if he's going to be able to do anything here that gets me too excited. So I'm not, I'm not thrilled about it, but I could see why you'd go there just for ownership only. Yeah, we'd have to see about that when it comes to – I mean, I don't think it's an ownership-only play either just because it's Brooks Kepka. I mean, if his game is decent, I mean, talent-wise, he's better than everybody else in this 10K range. Um, I think, you know, if he has, if his mind is right, if he's, if he's healthy. Uh, but, you know, that's stuff that we'll have to see as the week progresses and his ownership, of course. All right, so let's move to this 9K range. My second cascade cornerstone is going to be Scotty Scheffler at 9,500, came in third here last year. Uh, an extreme birdie maker, a guy who will make just a shit ton of birdies. Top five in birdies, a better gain in this field in the last hundred rounds. Top five in DraftKings points. And even though they're not playing like Quinta, the scoring sh- shouldn't be as low as it is. I think it's still going to be a birdie fest. You're going to see uh, a, a good amount of birdies this weekend. Uh, so I like Scotty um, as my second cash game cornerstone. Um, I think the other two guys I'll play. Um, I'm going to play – I'm going back to the well with him. I think we could see a little bit of reduced ownership with him um, this week after he sort of – everyone was on him last week, and, 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 you know, he sort of shit the bed. Uh, didn't really do that well. Finished, I think, 40th, outside the top 40, or maybe even 50th. Um, 
it could depress his ownership a little bit. He has had some success, success here uh, the last couple of years. I think it reduced ownership. He can make a good play. Uh, and I think Matthew Wolf is viable on any type of course. You would think that this is the type of course that he would be good on, a birdie, extreme type course, but even tougher courses uh, he can play. I think he has an all-around game now. So those are two guys that I'll probably play in GPPs. What about you? I like this range a lot. That's why, like I said, I'm not as keen to go up to like Brooks or Finau or those guys. I'll play, you know, like I said, if they get mixed into some lineups, you look at some of the winning lineups. I was like, that's one thing I was going to touch on real quick. And he just, you know, early in the season for, for folks looking at it, I do a, a review show on Roto Grinders every Monday and just go back and look at it. And I think this is a key point to point out that, you know, right now everyone is going so congested with the ownerships, right? Because there's only so many people that are into it right now because it just came back. Everyone's listening to the same podcast, following the same articles, reading the same stuff. And the ownership today we looked at was just so congested on these guys. And what I mean by that is like, everyone's just building sort of the same core. And then you're looking for those one percenters and hoping that's enough to get different. But if you look at all the tournament winning lineups this past week, their max ownership, like combined ownership was like 50%. So it was like a a 13% guy, a 15% guy, couple guys around eight to 10% and then a couple one percenters. So just keep that in mind. That's why I don't hate your Brooks call at the top for that reason, but I think there's still other guys you can get different with. Um, as far as the nine K range goes, you know, I just want to point that out. I do like M is fine. Two, two top 15s here played last two weeks. Wasn't really great last week, but Scotty Scheffler, who you talked about, even for cash, I, I don't care where you want to play, but played at the TOC sneaky little 13th there that people might not even remember, even though it was only two weeks ago, uh, really solid at the PGA championship and the Zozo, both California events, Top 15, DK, birdie or better, T to green, around the green, and power five scoring while coming in third here last year. I think he's a guy you could start your lineups with, and I, I don't even mind uh, a nice little bet on him. So we'll get to bets later. But uh, I do like that. And then answer, uh, I might be coming around to your opinion now, Kenny, and that is the opinion that answer is just better than Ricky Fowler now because he, he really feels like he is, right? And now they're both sitting here at the same price, and this just puts it on full display for me. I'm not going to pay 9,300 for Ricky Fowler because he had a top 10 here last year. That's literally no. might be the, that might be the only top 10 he had last He's year. He's going to be the lowest known in this, in this range by a lot. And I'm still not going to play him. Yeah. I, I just, I can't, there's just too many other guys. And I, and you know, like the trend, someone who just wins, nobody goes back to him. I still like Kevin. Nah, I like Henley. These, these are all my guys that I like, but uh, answer missed the cut last week. Really couldn't get it going with the short game, but he was still solid off the tee and on approach has been playing. So, you know, he sort of warmed up. For this, I think he stands out the most. And then non Henley man has just keeps it going. He he sort of picked up where he left off from the break. Uh, didn't do anything too crazy, but a T eleven to bring it over to this week. Nothing nothing wrong with that, right? It's nothing to frown upon. So I think at his price, and then you know his stats, right? Coming in first in T to green over the last fifty, first on approach, top fifteen and around the green, good in DK scoring. You know he's right there in what you would want. And again, I just don't know how many people mix these guys in because I think they want the 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 scotty shefflers and above and then they skip over this type of range quite a bit here right there's some other guys even when we get into the 8k range if you want to take us into that yeah that sounds good one guy i'm not playing is hefty mickelson uh and i'm gonna keep calling him hefty for the rest of my life because that's the greatest thing i ever heard ever hefty mickelson uh probably not gonna play him in this range i do like paul casey i think about paul casey i know he hasn't played in a little bit um number number one is strokes gained t to green in the last 100 rounds on p die courses um, I sort of like his price. Uh, I will go get on him as well. I will go with Siwoo as well in this range. Another Pete Dye specialist. Uh, so I'll go back to Siwoo. And I like Sam Boorns, uh a bit. Uh, he had a nice little run here last year, if I remember correctly. 
Uh, very good birdie maker, really good on shorter par fours. So I like him as well. Yeah, I think you and 25% of the field will be liking that as well, including me, myself included. Yeah, I I feel like he's the guy, right? So I I think there's a couple pivots there, but I do like him. It could be be worth a fade because if he's going to be 20% owned, that's a name that you don't really want to roster when he's 20, when he's going to be that high on, I didn't know. I didn't think he was going to be that popular, but well, I just think is, his, the price tag on him. I know everybody ran to bet him, right? I know that was a, a fact right out of the gate this morning. Everyone wanted to get on for that reason. You look really? at, uh, I've been you know, at work his, all day. I haven't paid attention at all. So I have well, no his idea stats are there are too, right? He's, he's top 10 and birdies are better. DK scoring top five and par five scoring. He's got pretty much everything lining up for him. He came sixth here last year, 18th, the year before that you look for him on Bermuda. Like there's just, Bermuda Bird, like there's so many things that line up for him that he's probably a great play. And I get it in the, you know, a cash build or something. It makes perfect sense. I, I think that's a great play. I do think in tournaments, I can look to get a little bit different or unique away from him, but it's hard, man. He, he's a good play. I do like your Siwoo call. I think uh, the Pete Dye stuff that you talked about, uh, great stats last week, knocking off his own rust and T25 still. So plenty of room for upside, fair price, 8,200. And who knows, maybe uh, he ends up coming in at the ownership because of that. He's got some great stats if you're looking at stat models and, and sites like that. So I think it could be an, in- an interesting look po- looking point throughout the week once the ownership comes in and is a little more accurate of where it spreads out there. But then the other one I like too was uh, Cameron Champ. Tw- 21st here last year. Obviously, we know he can score on par fives. He's got his own Cali narrative going for him. Done well in Cali in the past, including the PGA Championship there when we saw him make a little bit of a boom. So I, I think... The price might feel high for some. I'm not sure how popular he'll get at 8,900, but man, you know me and I love some Best Buy pricing. He's just right at 8,900. Not quite nine, just 8,900. So I like that. And then the one thing that stood out to me, is funny you mentioned Hefty and, and Paul Casey, and they're both right there, is Pebble Beach, right? Wasn't it Pebble Beach when uh, Casey said, shut the lights out, we got to go home? And Phil was like, nah. And then they had to come back and play the next day and he took him out. Well, I think that was in Cali, wasn't it? I, I remember that, but I don't remember which tournament it was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. I'd have to double check it. But yeah, I just remember anyway. I, I think that's aside from the notes of obviously how good Paul Casey is. He's sort of the one guy that I wouldn't mind based on name value and, you know, let him knock the rust off. Again, 2100 bucks cheaper than a guy like Brooks. I'm not saying he's Brooks Capco. I'm just saying we, can, we know we can get upside of a top 10 out of Paul Casey. So I'll, I'll go back to him at 8700 and play some of him. The, you know, Brian Harmon's. And then one guy I was going to ask you about here, the last guy in the AK range was Adam Hadwin. I don't know if you've had a chance to look, but his course history here is like top. It's, top yeah, it's sick. Third, second, third, second, sixth for the yeah, last four times. He has not it. made it. He hasn't made a cut in his last like five <laughs> events or something like that. So what so, do you do? What's the? Play? I don't know. I, I I'm not playing him. Uh, something like that. When I, when I see something like that, I don't really play uh, play the guy just because I think form, especially the guy at that price, a cheaper guy. I can go just based on course history. I can do that because um, you could just see it. Like I'll Jerry Kelly last week. One. Jerry, Jerry yeah. Kelly last week was sixty-two yeah, hundred. Yeah. Just get him uh, in yeah. there. Who cares? I, I think it's cheaper guy that makes more sense than a guy eight k and above. Yeah, and there's just too many guys around him. That's why I, I wanted to get your opinion because I know for cash and stuff like that, maybe you throw it out there and, and you want something like that. But like you said, with the form is always more important to myself, yourself, and you look at Burns, Kim, Harmon, Casey, all these guys up, and we're gonna get into this. Next range, trust me, he's got a lot of guys in it. So, yeah, I think it's a, a good one there to, to look at and, and go from there. But for the just course history alone, I'm not that interested. Yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and go into the 7K range. Uh, I'm going to go with my third cash game cornerstone. It's going to be Charles Howell III. Um, 
you know, his, his, he's gained strokes with his approaches and tee to green in his last three events. Uh, he's made four out of five cuts here. Uh, decent finish last week uh, in California, a Supreme cut maker. You can tell by the amount of money he's win. He's won. So I'm just going to go with him uh, on that one. Now I, my last cash game cornerstone, I think I'm going to switch it up mid uh, mid pod. Um, I had Landry as my final cash game cornerstone because the guy obviously loves to play this course. I mean, last year when he won, uh, I wouldn't take the, the Sony miss cut uh, that seriously because he's missed a cut of Sony like the last three or four years. Um, he actually missed six cuts in a row before he won here last year. Uh, missed a cut of Sony before he won here uh, what, a couple of years ago before his second place finished a couple of years ago. But I think I'm going to move to uh, my boy, Sepp Straka. Uh, at 7,400 as my final cash game cornerstone. Uh, the reasoning behind this is, uh, you know, he's made a whole bunch of cuts recently. He had a good top 10 finish last week, uh, top 25 in both po- uh, DK points and birdie or better percentage. Um, you know, re- he's been good on these shorter par fours here recently. Um, uh, so I do like Mr. Sepp Straka. And like, e- if you go even more recent he's actually fifth in my model in his last 24 rounds top 10 in strokes gain approach top five in drafting points and birdies a better gain i think i'm going to go with him as my final cash game cornerstone so my cash game cornerstones this week they're going to be patrick reed at 10,200 scotty scheffler at 9,500 uh, Charles Howell III at 7,500 and Sepp Straka at 7,400. This still leaves you well over $15,000 to fill out the rest of your lineup. Other guys I do like in this range. I, I, if Gary Wood is healthy, this price is really cheap. Uh, I think I could take a flyer on him at 7,700, sort of like we've done with Leishman last, Leishman last week. Um, if he's healthy at all, uh, if he looks okay and he feels okay, uh, after you know, maybe hearing some interviews and stuff like that from him, I think he's a play. I like Emiliano Grillo um, in this range. Another good TPC, uh, a, a Pete Dye course specialist. Uh, I do like him. Uh, Chris Kirk, you know, like I, I talked about this in previous podcasts, when you have that weight lifted off your shoulder, um, where you don't have to stress about making uh, making your card or something like that for, for the, the foreseeable future. I mean, that takes a, a, a big load off your shoulder uh, and you could play more freely. Um, that could be in it. That could be something that happens with Chris Kirk this week, because now he knows he's safe for the rest of the year. He doesn't have to grind out. I mean, it was a huge relief for him. Maybe he can just go out, play freely, have a little bit of fun and score. Well, so I'm going to go him down below. Um, uh, Malnati is another guy who's been playing exceptional golf. Uh, and at that price, I mean, he fell, he fell a little bit on the weekend, but he was playing really, really well. Uh, and the guy is actually ranked number one in my model in the last 24 rounds. Uh, so I'll play Malnati uh, at 7,200. Uh, who do you like in this range? I thought you were reading my notes for a minute there, man. You got a couple things. I, I was going to bring that up and, and credit to you. You've talked about it definitely in the past with the Chris Kirk thing. Just uh, I put in my notes, just remind me of, of Ryan Palmer 2.0. And what I was going to say, just to, to tack onto it, Kenny, is I think it's with elite golfers and then with like journeymen or guys that have been around or, or something like in this situation, been through a lot where they actually, it makes them go harder right? Like Palmer, we talked about in the past, you've mentioned it. Chris Kirk would be a guy I could see it happen to. What I meant by elite golfers is like, if a JT wins, he's not taking a break next week. He's coming back. When DJ gets on a run, he gets on a run. You know what I mean? When these guys go off, they can go off for plenty of events versus if it's like a first time winner on tour, a young guy, 
it's like, yes, that's the relief, but typically they, they do have a few struggles after that. And you could see it go on for a little bit of time, right? It was, it just happens. Then they don't turn it on for the next couple events. I think Chris Kirk can come back and do it again. No problem. Get right in the mix. Like I say, he's not going to let off the gas. He's going to get, take that breathing room just to take a deep breath and then move on and move forward. So I really do like that call. Your Straka call. You said he's your boy now. So that's good. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> I do like Straka though. We've been talking about him on here for a while. Our boy Sundog Monkey always loves Straka. We got to get him back on. I know we got, you know, the last time we had him on was for the players pod and it got a little bit uh, switched up. That's when the whole thing started, right? But if you look at Straka, the other, you mentioned all the points. I won't rehash him, Kenny, but I don't know if you saw this or not. One more key point to add to it and tack on is he also had what we love, our Sunday round. He had the Sunday round, man. He had the great stats, the great numbers, uh, really, really nice Sunday, actually going five under to finish it off and get to T25. So everything you said adds up and then you tack that on. I think that's great momentum coming into this event. Uh, he stands out to me. And then one guy I, I, t- I said last week, I wouldn't play him, but now I will. I did get to see a little, I didn't want to venture in too early, but now I saw enough, but, um, shook off the rust last week is, is EVR lost almost two strokes on the greens, man. Everything else was dialed in T to green approach solid. 7,900 for the upside. We like him in sort of these weaker fields. I know that in majors and stuff, sometimes we'll take him and he shows out, but I like him here at under 8,000. I think he's a fine play that not many people will go to at the top. Uh, definitely going back to my boy, Cam Davis. Uh, played last week, nothing special. Definitely know he can get hot and score. Lots of opportunities here. Really solid Sunday round as well. Also like uh, Straka there. So I think that that's key coming in. So Cam Davis, and he can really outscore his finishing position as I talk about all the time. So he's another one that sits there, I guess, Woodland, who you mentioned, I just put a note on him here. Just, you know, I had question marks by him, but he would, you know, the Pete Dye stuff you brought up makes sense. And then again, another guy, I want to take a flyer on for a name, you know, the kind of, like I mentioned there with Casey, I mean, maybe you're bringing me around to Brooks now. Cause that's just said, you know, the field's not that good. It's just, these are the, the ones where I'm like, okay, they're not just a name. It's if they are healthy and they are good and they are ready to roll they could just turn it on. I just, I, I like such a, a more balanced build that Brooks doesn't fit them, but Woodland Casey, those guys, they fit it so much better for me. And then I guess I won't name them all. Cause I'll let you take the bottom tier, but uh, any thoughts like um, doc Redmond is almost like Sam Burns. These two guys both get all the love all the time. Right. So uh, this next range though is tough. Kenny and walk me through it, but you got Redmond Gooch Hoffman. We already talked about Straka. Uh, Keegan Bradley, Hoagie, our guy McNally, uh, McNeely, sorry, Maverick McNeely. Uh, all these guys there, man. Any of them that stand out to you? Because I think that's going to separate the the men from the boys in this week as far as the uh, the lineups go. Yeah, I think in the same vein as EVR, you saw Keegan Bradley. And I know Brad will make me, Brad will be angry about me about this. But I mean, he was second in strokes gained T to green last week and he missed the cut. Uh, you know, he lost something like seven strokes putting or something in two days. The thing about him and like guys like Benny on when they're cheap like this, uh, supreme ball strikers, if they can just get any type of putting, it could be worth it as a cheap, as a flyer who will be very low owned. And both of those guys will be very low owned. Uh, so I think those could be GPP plays uh, that you can go on and just hope and pray that they don't lose 87 million strokes putting. Uh, so I think those are a couple of guys down here. I did say Malnati. I do like, um, I'll go back to Hokey. He hurt me last week. He was one of my favorite plays. Missed a cut on the number. Um, a poor performance on Friday. He shot two over, uh, but he had a good finish here last year. Maybe uh, he could, he was just knocking off a little bit of rust uh, and he can come back into this tournament. I do like his price. Uh, what about you in this range? 
Yeah, I think the, you know, Taylor Gooch, Redmond, these guys have upside. So between those two and and Burns, you'll have to make some calls. You know, if you put, put all three of them in, I think you'll be, you know, getting onto some of the chalk there. But I do think that they're, they're all decent plays because they're sort of similar in a sense of they feel underpriced. We know when they get on, they can have upside. But so do these guys down below. You mentioned Benny on, I'll mention him in a second. But just on Keegan real quick, that was crazy. Uh, Ke- you know, Kevin, no, it's not that you're always going to be number one T to green to win a tournament. That's not the case. But I'm just saying Decky and Keegan, beat Kevin uh, T to green and then Bradley missed the cut because it, it, he lost three strokes putting and Decky did Decky things made a run made everyone think you know the flop leg was there the comeback kid and then did the same thing and what he finished like 20 or 30th range like it wasn't that strong of a finish for Decky for the price tag DFS wise right you had guys like Neiman there that just crushed them in that same range but yeah T19 so top 20 for Decky again Decky things doing his thing at 10.2k that's what he does uh, but, you know, Keegan, if he just makes the cut, man, I, I feel pretty good about him. And then I mentioned our guy, though, uh, Mad McNeely. Four top 21s in his last four outings, including a 12th at the OHL, which was just ha- just here in December. So I like that. 21st back at the Bermuda. Feeling all right on some Bermuda greens. Uh, and then the stats don't really pop. I like that when, you know, you look at all those models out there and he's not really going to pop in it, but we know what he's capable of. And when he gets on and the talent is there, we know this, we've been watching him for quite a while. Anybody who's watched him knows that, you, you know, he's definitely going to get himself a win. I think at some point, it's just a matter of when and, and why not in, at an event like this. So I think McNeely at 7,300 for tournaments, large field stuff is awesome. A great play there. And then I mentioned, and you, well, you mentioned, but I decided to go down to him as Benny on to round it out at 7,000. Been, been a minute since we've seen this guy and, and he's had a lot going on in his life personally, but man, the price for what you talked about with like almost like the Keegan stuff, the talent, the upside. Yeah. He needs a putter. We know this. So does everybody, but man, it's just so cheap for a guy like him. 7,000. His first tournament back with nappy factor, right? Didn't he just have a kid? Yeah. Yeah. So nappy factor for little Benny on, we'll see how that goes. He knows he has to make that paycheck now. So he's got to make the fucking cut. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so that could be a little bit of motivation for Benny on one guy that I think I missed Wyndham Clark at $7,100. Just as um, pension for playing par fives very well uh, and getting a lot of birdies and scoring a lot of drafting points. Uh, he had a decent end of the season last year. And I think it's 7,100. Uh, he's a decent flyer. Why don't you take it into the 6k range Tampa? Not a lot. Another guy. So this guy fits in with the Burns, Gooch, Redmond, everything. And it's our boy, Denny McCarthy, uh, you know, basically always playing him when he's this price. We had, we had talked about it a lot in the, you know, the end of the season stuff when we were watching him and, you know, we're, he's always been the, you know, Denny McPutts or whatever people call him out there making every putt under the sun. And then he started to click with his iron game and then lost the putter a little bit. And we were just kept saying as if everything can come together, right? Wouldn't that be something? And we'd be able to get a, a nice little result out of him. And I don't know. Uh, I know he made the cut here last year before that. He hasn't really been doing much on tour. Like I can't remember what the last was. I think it was the uh, Bermuda though, that he did. Okay. But yeah, either way, like I said, I, I just look for a guy like him at 6,900 and see if he can get things clicking. Um, you know, Luke list, another guy that stands out to me, but you know, played very well first two rounds, but then couldn't make a putt. So I, I think he's a, a play that you could go back to guy at 6,600, Brian Stewart, who I liked last week, did all right. Great Sunday round though, found his ball striking a little bit. So I think that could be something. And then after that, it sort of leans off, man. There's so many names down here, Kenny, but this was another thing I noticed in just doing the analysis of sort of last week. And what I saw is there's so many guys in the seven K range that there's almost not a need to use any of these guys at 6,900 and down. And there's 95 golfers this week at 6,900 or less out of this 156 man field that just 
goes to show you, like you could cut out a big portion of your pool by just avoiding those guys altogether and keeping in mind and remembering that just because somebody gets the gem or the diamond in the rough from the 6K range and is like, got that, check, good to go. It doesn't mean they're going to have it right up top. So they can have all of that that they want. They still need to put all the pieces together. So I don't, I don't know what your thoughts are. The, the top is definitely the cream of the crop compared to the field, but it's not the cream of the crop compared to the PGA Tour right? It's, it's not a lot of the best in the world versus your Rory, DJ, Rom, you know, all the JTs guys that we'd be looking at, they're not here. So I, I think some of these other guys come out and I think there's a stat too. We haven't got to betting yet. We'll save it till you're done here, but um, isn't it like 125 to one is like the norm for, for winners here when it comes to betting. It's not often besides when Rom won, it's been like super long shots. So it, it doesn't mean those guys can't be in your build. It just means I'm saying they're not necessarily what you have to have. So what do you got under seven K long, long way of saying that, but what do you got? Uh, I mean, I like your list call. I like the Stewart call. I like the Denny call. I'll be playing those. Um, I'll probably play a little bit of Shank, Adam Shank, who played well here last year. A guy who just, just a gut feeling with Shank and Putnam. Uh, I think I, I do like both of those guys. I'm not, those are just flyers that I'll have. Sean O'Hare um, at, at um, 6,400, another flyer who's really good on par fives. Uh, and then Cameron Percy at 6,100 down below. Um, he's had little he had some ups during the uh end of the year last year maybe he could bring that back and at that type of price i'm willing to take a flyer yeah i don't hate it the sean o'hare call is interesting because like you said this goes back to your original theory of playing a guy that can have an a little bit of upside and pop and maybe has some history uh he showed up for me as far as that he's got two top tens here in the last four years ninth and ninth and then another guy that showed up was uh grayson murray 10th 14th and 12th three of the last four years here he played it all yeah. four years one cut and then the rest were top 14s people uh, hate him too so he'll be like sub one percent owned yeah that's just uh you know i i really i don't see anybody else i, I guess if you look like sebastian kaplan um you know putnam you mentioned another guy 10th 34th 17th so these are really the only guys though kenny that are cheap that actually have shown up here jason duffner won it before uh, back when but you know uh, the other guys have like a one-off here and there but those are the guys that have consistency so i'll maybe just make a note of that as going through but i think that's interesting to point out all right so let's go to bets what do you got tambo coming off a, a nice little i hit the leash way last week the leashman each way top five and that's you know only on three picks so i'm opening it up this week kenny i've got six bets this week i got scheffler 20 to one. Now, some of these are before ROM and some of these are after ROM. So just the way it shakes out. I know there's a lot of different numbers out there this week, but this is what I've got. Scheffler 20 answer 33. I've got Burns 66 with the each way. All those are going to be top five. Cam Davis 80 with the each way. Straka 80 with the each way. And then Luke list 200 with the each way. All right, I only got four. I'll probably add a couple more. I only got one above, one lower than 50 to one. That's going to be Scheffler at 16 to one. Uh, now, my rest is going to be Woodland at 66 to one, Straka at 80 to one, and Benny on at 125 to one. Uh, I'll probably add a couple more in my article at the end of the week. You're one and done this week. I guess, yeah, I'm picking a few here. I, I can never pick it on the spot, but I got, I got M. I've got answer. And then I've got Henley. And I, the reason I'm not naming all the other guys is because I think like these three are ones that I'm like, I don't really feel like I'd really save them for anything. 
and it's kind of like do or die, get it in now, let's go after it. And, and so I can use them and sort of see, and and that's where I've made mistakes in the past is always just trying to use like, okay, if Cantlay is going to win here and he's the class of the field right now or Brooks or something, why not just roll him out? But there's just so many other events that you actually could save them for. So I'll, I'll try him answer Henley and then probably narrow it down as the week goes on. Yeah, I'll probably go Scheffler uh, this week. Um, that's probably the way I'm going to go this week. Yeah, he looks good too. I don't yeah. hate that. All right. Well, you can find me on Twitter at Kendo VT. Uh, you can find my article at gupscorner.com. My course preview should already be out with stats. So look for, I'll have some more bets um, coming up uh, on Wednesday. I also added my favorite cash and GPP plays uh, into my article. That'll be released Wednesday. So check it out on gupscorner.com. Tambo. Yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter at Totag and Tambo. We're getting there for the Tiger Woods rookie card. I'm giving it away at 9,500 followers now. I was going to try and get it to 10, but didn't quite make the push. We're around 9,200 or so. So we'll still give that away. Going to send it out right away. Uh, post that out. Other than that, find me on Rotogrinders. Already hit you guys up with the link earlier, rotogrinders.com slash DGen. Go over there, get yourself set up. You'll be able to get the Tuesday show that I do with STL Cards and Notorious, where we're going through the entire slate, narrowing down our picks as the week goes on. Wednesday, I do the lineup HQ show, show you guys how I'm using the optimizer, actual exposures I have, and what my lineup builds look like. The Monday show, you can always look back on and see. I got 17th in the $44 last week. I'll show you that lineup and ran through it and just sort of player pools and different things like that. And then football's wrapping up. So not so much that anymore, but a lot of stuff with sports cards and stuff like that's going to be coming out as well. So be exciting for that. All right. It should be a fun event. Uh, no pro amps. We don't have to worry about the six and a half hour rounds. It's always fun. Uh, hopefully it's better for me than last week. Let's win some motherfucking money. DJ nation. Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new Filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your Filtry air filters today at Filtry.com. Let's clear the air. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.